Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Truly, He is the newborn King. Go ahead and stand with me if you would. Thank you for being here. If you want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And while you do that, we just love to stand as a congregation as we read the Word and pray together. As we continue our series, Is It Logical? It's hard to, to fathom God's love for us. And it just it isn't logical, is it? How much He loves us after everything the, the, the people of the world has done, God still loves us enough to send His only Son. Amen. Luke chapter 2 verse 10, so we're going to talk a little bit about celebration this morning. And the angel said to them, fear not. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. For hope, behold, I bring you good news. Say good news. Of great joy that will be for all people. Now look at them and say all people. Yeah, not some, not just a few, but for all people. And that is good news because I'll be in all people, wouldn't you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Holy Spirit, illuminate our hearts. Come alive in us, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone says, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wave at your neighbor. Once again, we believe in being friendly. Worst worst case, you'd leave here and say, man, I got greeted like 67 times while I was at that church. Well, good. That is our goal. Next time, we'll try 68. So it's our goal. Here, Dr. Luke is helping us understand that this is good news for great joy and it's worth celebrating. You know, there's many things that we celebrate and one thing that we celebrate is the birth of our Lord and Savior, amen? Now, the world is commercialized and a lot of people don't even know necessarily what we're celebrating as far as gifts and kindness and and, and being nice is, is what many think. But we know as fellow believers that's not true, right? It is the birth of Jesus Christ, but there's much to celebrate in what we're celebrating this season. And it's not just boiled down to simply a a baby in a manger, right? Now we see a lot of those, but it began there, all right? It began for us in the world for our sins to be forgiven, wiped away completely, never to be held against us. Christ had to be born because the supreme sacrifice had to be given. Now, so we're celebrating that. And there's all kinds of celebrations that people have all over the world. So this morning, I I did a little bit of research. I woke up and was kind of going through some things. And of course, as you do, you Google. So I Googled the world celebration and you'll find the top 10 and the top 20. And you'll find all kinds of things, man. There's people light lanterns and there's thousands of thousands of lanterns that go up in the air in China. And there are different parts of the world. And I came to this place called Valencia, Spain. Now, in Valencia, Valencia, Spain, they have this thing called the La Tomatilla Festival. Now, I don't know if you've heard of this or not. If you haven't, the good news is they sell tickets to it, so you can go. There's only 20,000 available, so, so act quick, okay? So this town of 9,000 people, this week of the festival, it's like the third Wednesday in August or there at the end, it grows to forty to 50,000 people. I know. So it's, Bruno is the way that Americans would say it, but that's not how you say it if you're a good Italian or a good Spanish person, which I'm not. But that this town is nine or 6,000 people and grows to 40. Now what they do is they get a big, they get kind of in the town square and they haul in anywhere between four, uh, 40 to 100 metric tons, uh, tons of, of rotten or semi-rotten tomatoes. 
So they dumped these out and they're digging them out of, out of um, trucks. And then all of a sudden they begin to sling them at each other. So if you have nothing to better to do than third week of August, go sling tomatoes at each other for the price of a ticket. Now, it even gets more weird. So what they do is to start this festival off, they take a pole that is two stories high and they take it and they wipe it down with grease. And I saw some pictures, it's like Crisco. It's nasty. And before the festival can start, theoretically, somebody has to, you, this is, I'm not making this up. They have to shimmy up the pole and grab a piece of ham that's on the top of the pole. And once they throw the ham down on the ground, the festival starts. And I, I was like thinking, okay, there's got to be some, you know, point to a greasy pole with a ham on the top of it. You know what I found? Nothing. People don't even know why it's there. That's just what they do. Yeah, and, and this it even gets better. I thought, okay, well, certainly there's a reason to throw tomatoes at each other, you know, because there's, there's rules. I mean, you, you go on their website, they're like, listen, man, you got to smash the tomato before you throw it because you can't hit people in the face, you know. And then they have to warn you. Yeah, yeah if you, if you got to wear clothes that you never want to wear again. You would think you'd kind of know that after you're slinging tomatoes for an hour, right? Okay, so they do that. And, and, and it just goes to this thing and they do it for a complete hour. And what's the point of the festival? Why did it start? Nobody really knows. Some people thought that maybe around 1945, somebody got mad at a city council member, didn't like a choice they made, so they started slinging vegetables at them. I, some people thought maybe a bunch of youth got together and started a ruckus and started slinging tomatoes at each other. And they thought, that was so much fun, let's come back in a year and do it all over again. Anyways, I was thinking through this and I got a good laugh out of it this morning because I was thinking, you know what? We know what we celebrate, don't we? We know what Christians all across the world celebrate on December 25th, don't we? It's not just a bunch of us getting together and doing rituals that we don't understand, but it's a heart's elation towards our Lord and Savior, which was born on the earth, died for our sins. We're so blessed to understand that we're not just celebrating for nothing. And to the world, it does not seem logical. To the world, they don't understand what we're doing, but because our spirits have been enlightened by Father God, because our spirits have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, we know that we do something great on December 25th as we celebrate. Now, we know every day a celebration, but we know this season we really point in and we say, listen, we're gonna put our focus and our time on this. Now, Paul is writing here, and we're going to land in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, I preached a little while back last Sunday night on, on, on verse 1 here, so I won't spend a whole lot of time. But it's interesting as Paul begins to tell us that I appeal to you. He's, he's begging us in some ways, and he's saying, listen up, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And it's, it, it encourages me, and I celebrate the fact that because Christ was born, because he gave his life, he he gave his life it cost him his life but I get to live so what I do is I bring my worship as a living sacrifice I bring the things that I do for God and that you do for God and we bring it in to our Lord and Savior as a living sacrifice what an honor and a privilege and those are the things that we celebrate then he goes on he says which is holy and acceptable just the fact that we realize that we could stand before God and be accepted as holy and we can be because we're seen through the blood of Jesus Christ it's amazing to me just what Paul has in this first verse and then he says as we live a life of worship 
how grateful we should be that our lives of worship mean something to our God. A God that is in control of everything, a God that, that, that will use the earth of his footstool, that his enemies will become his footstool, the, the CEO of the universe, if you will. It's that God that would be for us. And that's what we celebrate, that our worship means something and it matters to him. Now, Paul continues here in, in, in verse two. He continues and it helps us understand some things. It helps us understand two things. What it's confirming inside of us as believers. Now, if you're not a believer, you don't have this confirmation. And I wanna let you know that's not something we hold against you. We want you to become a, a believer. Can I get a hearty amen on that? Oh yes, we want you to come into the family of the Lord. But these first two may or may not make sense. But we know as, as Paul is writing here in verse two of Romans chapter 12, it confirms some stuff. But then there's also three other things that we can celebrate. And during this season and the, season and the hustle and the bustle and the different things that we go to, because how many of us know it's hard sometimes to celebrate? If you go to some of the shopping centers, it's hard to celebrate. People's faces does not look like they're having fun. I'm one of those guys. I go in, I want to get my stuff, kill it, bag it, walk out. You know what I mean? If I dodge you on an aisle, don't be offended. I just don't want to have a 30-minute conversation, man. I came in for a can of sweet potatoes, and I want to go home, you know? You don't always feel like it. People come over, and your house is immaculate and clean. You've worked two or three days, and they come over, and in four hours, it looked like you hadn't touched it in six months. Yeah, it's hard to celebrate those times. But through the midst of all of that, we celebrate and we thank God, we thank God for what he's done for us in our life. And here Paul confirms in Romans chapter two or chapter 12, verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, here I want to camp out on this scripture because I want us to understand that it's not logical that we get to be where Paul is saying that we can be. It confirms something in us here, do not be. Do not be. Paul looks at us and tells us very plainly, do not be. One thing that I've learned as a dad, I have to speak very plainly to my daughter. One thing I've learned as a youth pastor, I've had to be, I have to speak very plainly to youth. Okay, if you want to know loopholes in a document, go hand it to a teenager because they will figure it out. You don't need a lawyer. Like, oh, I don't have to do that. You know what I mean? They will find out. But here, Paul is speaking to us very clearly. Do not be. And it confirms some things in us because that he could use that strong of words lets, it, lets us know that who he's speaking to, who he's talking to are children of the most high God that we're looked at through Jesus Christ, that he understands as he, as he, um, as he gives his heart on, on paper through words that people who are reading it don't take it as just mere direction, but they take it as opportunity because if I don't do this, then I know I'll be where God wants me to be. Do not be. It confirms that we're children of God because we can handle that kind of language but, but, but why would he say, do not be, and then he goes on, conformed to this world. What's the big deal about being conformed to the world? I mean, God created the world. We feel God's presence in the world. So what's, why, why can't we be conformed to the world? Well, how many of us know that we're in the world, but we're not of the world, amen? 
So, so it's not a natural fit if we conform, which means that we go by rules, we go by regulations. Now, we should follow rules and laws, amen? Yeah, be smart, do that. But as the world as a scope, we've gotta push ourselves away and say, we don't live worldly-minded, we live kingdom-minded. That's what I conform myself to. But, the near, but, the, but just the mere thought of me realizing that although I'm in the world, I'm not stuck here. See, I'm not stuck in my past sins. I'm not stuck here without hope. I'm not stuck here without directions. I'm not stuck here, but I have hope. I have hope in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we all do. And here, Paul is helping us understand that. Do not be conformed to the world. Have you guys ever seen somebody who tried to do something that they were not talented at? And you're like, why do you keep wasting your time in doing that? That is not your thing. It's very easy to see. As Christians, we're not to be conformed to the world. That's not our thing. We're conformed to the kingdom of God. And realizing that we have that opportunity, that although we're in the world, we're not of the world. Matthew chapter five, verse 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So we have a heavenly father that we know is perfect and we have to be like him. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's not logical, but it's because a baby was born in a manger. And now I have the opportunity to be looked at as perfect, not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Christ has done. Now, all of a sudden, I get to be like God wants me to be, and I get to be like God. I don't get to be God. Amen? We don't want to do that. Satan fell from heaven like lightning, okay? But the thing that God has put in us as we get saved because we're a new creation that yearns and turns inside of us is not something that we have to grasp at, but it's something that we can become but we cannot conform ourselves to the world. It helps us understand that we belong to God. John chapter 15, verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And it's Christ confirming that, listen, you're not going to fit in. So if you're in a situation where you don't fit in, congratulations, man. And this is the neat thing about that verse is it shows us that God chose us. He chose us out of a spot that had no hope, that has no direction, that one day will end. But we get to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He chose us out of that. That's the reason why Paul's saying, listen, we don't want to be conformed to that. That's not what we're supposed to be conformed to. John chapter 17, verse 16, Jesus is praying for us. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Jesus is born in a manger and we celebrate everything that we celebrate around Christmas. Think about that prayer. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You mean you're comparing me to you? You're saying that I am not like the world but instead I'm like you. That's worth celebrating. And this is the thing. Although we live our life on earth, I can still continue to be more like Christ and less like the world. And that's worth celebrating. So do not, do not be conformed to the world. It confirms some things that we belong to God, that we are not our own. Paul echoes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, when he says you were bought with a price. And we know that we're not our own, that we were bought because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But without the manger, that doesn't happen. 
and it's not logical and people will come up and Pastor Mike did such a great job two Sundays ago of, of helping us understand that listen, we can defend our faith we want to do everything we can to help people find their way. But listen, at the end of the day, either you believe or you don't believe. Dr. Luke taught us that. Either you believe or you don't believe. But these are the facts and this is what happened. But it's the faith inside of you. And the more that faith builds up and the more we believe in that, the less like we become like the world. What a privilege and an honor that we get to celebrate so expect some differences in your life. Expect some things to change. Peter puts it like this in the same verbiage, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And it shows us that we have the power. Since we're gods, we have power and authority that we did not have before that it's an actual choice now that I don't have to be conformed, that I am different than the people in the world. That means I go out into a lost and dying world whose eyes are covered, and they do the same thing over and over and over and helping better results, but since they don't believe in Christ, it doesn't matter how good they feel or what they get themselves into, they'll never get better results. But you and I, as believers in Christ, we have that choice Ah, my eyes are opened. I no longer have to do what the world does, but I have to do what the kingdom does. Do not be conformed. So Paul is helping us understand that and confirming some things in our life and we get to celebrate that it's no longer by laws and decrees. It's no longer by keeping, uh, um, keeping um, just mere traditions or, or following men. And there's nothing wrong with following men. But if you think about the matriarchs and the patriarchs of the Old Testament, that's where people gain their knowledge as they would look up and follow people as they followed God. But this is the amazing thing as we go back and we read people like Abraham, as we read about people like Joseph, as we read about people like Moses, that no longer are we caught where we just see one person, but we get to lead like they lead because the Holy Spirit lives with inside of us. We're no longer conformed to that. And there's nothing wrong with following men as they follow Christ. I told the 8.30 service this morning, Pastor Ronnie and Pastor Mike was sitting down here on the front row, and I said, these are two guys in my life that has really poured in to me the last five years. They've told me things I've wanted to hear, and they've told me things I didn't want to hear. And that's good leading, amen? Hey, pat on the back is good, but sometimes you need a... Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But now, since I don't have to be conformed to the world, I realize that it's not just the mere image of a man that I chase, but the image of our God. Remember, mighty God is what they said to call Jesus. Mighty God. So now I chase mighty God. And those are the, that's what we celebrate. That's what we confirm. Now, now Paul moves on here, and there's some stuff here that I re, as I read Scripture that gets me excited because I realize there's celebrations that can be had. There's things that can be done. So at my house, I'm learning this. So I've been married to Mary 14 years. This year it'll be 15 in June. We weren't big celebrators at my house. We celebrated Christmas, birthdays on occasion, things like that. Mary, when I married her, her family celebrates everything. When you graduate from college, we're throwing you a party. You got all A's in school, we're throwing you a party. 
Your birthday, we're throwing you a party. Christmas, we're throwing you a party. Throwing parties, throwing parties, throwing parties. And my wallet creaks whenever I open it, so this is kind of hard for me. I'm like, we're buying another gift? Like, you're supposed to graduate college. You know, this is our third time. Do we have to buy another one? Oh, congratulations, you know? I mean, that's handshakes, a lot cheaper, you know? It's from my heart, remember? <laughs> But, you, but they celebrate everything. And so many times we can get caught up in the midst of what we're going through, in the midst of trials and tribulations and difficulties that we forget to celebrate. We forget this season in our life and in our heart that it's the presents are great around the tree. The food is great. The fellowship is great. The friends are great. But it's in those moments of solitude whenever we push all that to the side and say, God, there's some things that I wanna celebrate with you that you've done in my life that you've made available. And Paul here helps us understand Romans 12 chapter, or Romans chapter 12 verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. See, we have the moving of the spirit in our life, the moving of the Holy Spirit is something that's worth celebrating because transformation does not happen on our own. Salvation is something we say yes to and true salvation always comes with transformation. But it takes the Holy Spirit speaking to us and guiding us and directing us that we can be transformed. And what good news that we get to celebrate that not only do I get salvation in a world, I don't have to become like the world, but I can constantly become more and more and more like Christ. that I can be transformed in my behavior. And it's not behavior modification, but it's true change. See, behavior modification is, is something that I'm doing, but I don't really know why I'm doing it this way. It's what some of you ladies do with your husbands. It's called training. Some of you guys have taken you like 40 years, but you got them there. I am a work in progress. But true transformation God shows us the revelation of why he's causing us to do the change. Now, sometimes we'll be in the midst of that change and transformation, but then we'll look back and we'll say, that's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And see, that's the power of transformation. God's not just in behavior modification. We're not robots, but he wants that relationship with us that causes true transformation in our life that we are no longer who we were. And not just on the day that Christ found us, but every day is constant transformation closer and closer and closer to be like God, closer and closer to bring that worship to him. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 19. Now this is where it becomes very important that we, we don't quench or extinguish the spirit of God in our life. See, the spirit of God is something that we should chase. It's something that we want to allow to have every compartment of our heart, every compartment of our mind, every compartment of our being. Bring that light in Christ and transform me in every way that I possibly can. My mind, my heart, my actions, everything. I wanna be open to you, Holy Spirit. And you should pray that prayer because we want the supernatural to work in our lives whenever we pray for somebody we want them to be healed whenever we're praying about a situation I want God to speak to me so he can get us ready for what we're going on anybody else in the house it's real and it's true is it logical no it's not but Jesus said it like this you see the effects of the wind but you don't see the wind so not logical but because Jesus was born in a manger we now have the Holy Spirit this is how he put it he said, it's to your advantage that I leave. Because when I leave, I'll send the comforter 
and he was talking about the Holy Spirit, the help. Think about that statement. It's to my advantage. Wait, you're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the son of God. You are the one that was born from a virgin. You're the one that they prophesied. You filled all 300 and some odd prophecies. I think it's around 320, 360. All the prophecies you fulfilled. And it's to our advantage that you leave. So we want the Holy Spirit moving in our life. We want the Holy Spirit doing things in our life and we celebrate that. We celebrate that in the fact that we, around Christmas, we say, God, we know that you were born in a manger, but we celebrate the Holy Spirit and we want our lives to be open to it. Now, don't get nervous, okay? Quench is not you get something wrong. We all do wrong things and we all kind of think outside what we should think out. What quenching is, is the extinguishing. It's the rejection, like Holy Spirit, I'm not gonna let you work in my life. I'm not gonna be open. And I promise you, if you're not open to the Holy Spirit working in your life and your mind, you need to test your salvation because I don't know how real it is. Because anything Jesus was into, I wanna be into. And he wants you to be into because he wants that supernatural moving. Because listen, there's just certain things that we cannot do. The Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit reveals things to us and supernaturally move in our life and our behalf and open up doors. And I know that I'm talking to some people out here and you're nodding your head and thinking, yeah, the Holy Spirit moved in my life and this door opened and this heart was open and this situation changed. And it wasn't anything that you did and we didn't deserve it, but it was the Holy Spirit moving on our behalf. And it's worth celebrating. And Paul is saying, listen, we got to be transformed. This transformation process, what a privilege and an honor. And we're celebrating what Christ has done. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14, this is very important. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So it shows us that the Holy Spirit connects with our spiritual man and we'll bring up things in our life and, and in our mindset and think, man, this is not logical. Because in our worldly thinking, in the world that we're in but not of, they have to have everything lined up in a certain pattern and this is how it happens and two plus two equals four. But whenever you're dealing with God's math, whenever you're dealing with God moving on your half, behalf two plus two doesn't always equal four. Sometimes you give what you have, which is a widow's might, and it'll come back to you a hundredfold. Yeah. Right. How does that happen? Because the Holy Spirit moves on our behalf. And we need him to. You've done everything that you can do to save your marriage. You've done everything you can do to keep your job. You've done everything you can do to salvage the relationship. But there's something greater than what you can do. You need to move on your behalf. And that's the Holy Spirit. Because Christ was born in a manger lived his life and said, I'm gonna go, but don't worry because to your advantage, I'm gonna send the comforter. I'm gonna send the, lead, the God, the Holy Spirit. And it's worth celebrating. So when you're around the Christmas tree, when you're looking at the gifts, when you're doing all the things that we do and you feel the prick in your heart, don't think that you're dumbing that down and you're not grateful for it because you are, but something moves across you spiritually and say, God, I thank you for every wonderful thing, my family, the gifts, the food, all these things. But thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that your spirit moves in my life. Paul continues here and he helps us understand 
that we can celebrate that we have the mind of Christ. This season we get to celebrate that we have the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 12 verse two. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind. It boggles me that understanding that because of Christ and in him I have access that that I can renew my mind. That means I I don't only have to feel in my heart that I don't wanna be like the world, that I don't wanna chase after the things that the world chases. Now all of a sudden we take it a step farther and say listen, we're gonna renew our minds when I'm looking at something, when I'm having a difficulty, a situation that I don't understand, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is connected in my mind, begins to renew my mind with kingdom principles as I study the word, as I pray, as we do all the things that we know to do, and all of a sudden we have answers to questions that haven't even been asked yet. How'd that happen? It's because we're renewing our mind. We're not trapped and locked into one thing. We can go back and say, God, How does this work? Uh, This over here, you help me. Now my mindset has to be flipped here. Could you help me renew my mind? 1 Peter chapter one, verse three. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you um, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Preparing your minds for action. Once again, we see that Peter uses the same language here, helping us understand that we have access, that our minds can be renewed, that we can be to a point where we're saying, listen, we're getting ready for some action here. We expect the opposing force because we're taking ground for God's kingdom. Of course we expect some, um, some forces to come up against this man we're building a 6,000 square foot building expecting to to change our community and touch the lives to to go to these little babies that are in junior high and high school and grade school and say listen there's a better way and his name's Jesus Christ of course we expect that we have a woman's class that's grown from like 30 to 60 our youth has grown where we had 120 the other night we have Sunday school classes that are full that are crammed in there we have Wednesday night classes and that's stuff to be uh, celebrated and it's exciting of course we're going to have resistance but you know know what we can get our minds in gear and say hey this is just something that's coming up against our God wins because whenever you face those things time and time again fatigue sets in gets heavy so you go back to prayer and we have the benefit and the privilege of saying God renew my mind oh it looks overwhelming because when God renews your mind the world will say you're surrounded and you say no you just don't see that God's on my side see the world will see the lack, but we see the more than enough. The, the, the world will see the sickness, but we, we see the healing. Uh, the, the, Lord will, the, the world will see the things that we don't have, but we see what God's about to do. Because we renew our mind. I got a challenge for you. We want our loved ones, we want our extended families, we want our friends to be saved. And I, I, know, that I, I know that I'm talking to people who want that. Pray that prayer. But ask God if he would not show you those people as he sees those people. Let me see those people in their situation as you see them, not as what I think that they are doing wrong. Renew my mindset, because it can all get corroded, but we celebrate that we have the advantage to do that. And Paul finishes up here, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed by this word, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that by testing you may discern what is, the, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. By testing. See, God doesn't tempt us, but we will be tested. 
Now, he doesn't test us through temptation. That's Satan. Does it make sense? But he will test us. And we will have the choice to either do and walk in faith what he says to do or go the other way. And those things will come up. Now, here in Scripture, why would you want to celebrate the testing? Because that's hard stuff. That's difficult, man, whenever you begin to do the things that, that's required of testing. One of the things that I'm learning in my life is that my body does not respond like it used to. So I know some of you guys look up at me and you're like, man, you're young. Well, okay, thank you for that. I appreciate that compliment. But I'm, I'm going to be 40 in, this, in here in a couple days. Yeah, the big four zero. Some of you are like, I have shirts older than that, bro. <laughs> I'm going to be 40. And what I'm learning is I do not have the body of a 20-year-old. So yesterday, I'm making a dog run for my dogs at home, right? So we got a new dog. My wife has a new dog, so I get to make a dog run for my wife's new dog. Murray. Murphy. You guys know Murphy. If you don't, you can come over and borrow him anytime you want to. So just feel free. Take him for a couple days. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't have a hammer, so all I have is a hatchet. So I think a hatchet will make a great hammer. And it does until the hatchet slips off the nail and goes into your finger. Then it makes a really good knife. And I'm bleeding. And before it wouldn't have bothered me. But man, by the time it's over, I got band-aids on my left hand. I got band-aids on my right hand. I got all this stuff because I realize my body does not respond the same thing. And when it comes to testing, that's, it's easy to get in the flesh and say, oh no, I do not want to do this. But we celebrate testing. This is what James says, James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. One translation says this, count it pure joy. Because Christ was born unto us, now our trials and our tribulations means more than they've ever meant. The way that we put it around here is God will not waste your pain. So what you're going through, the difficulties that you're having, God is establishing you and getting you ready for that next place in life, getting ready for that next level or whatever he has for you that he's about to unleash in your life. But he has to take you through this testing process to see when the rubber really meets the road. I mean, are you really gonna do what he says? Or are we gonna get a little bit of weak and do what we wanna do? But if we sit back and we say, God, you're going to show me through this testing. You're going to show me through this trial some things. And one of the things that we learn is that we are not alone because there are some things that we cannot do by ourselves. God has to be beside us. God gives us what we need, and then we give it back to him. When I was younger, my mom and dad, I, we wanted to buy gifts for my, my mom and dad. Of course, we were six or seven. You know, we didn't have the money. And I remember one particular time, we went up to him and we said, we want to buy you a Christmas gift. So he gets out his wallet, opens it up, hands us money, <laughs> and then we go buy our dad a Christmas gift. That's what we do with our Heavenly Father. God, I really want to do this for you, but I can't do it on my own. So our Heavenly Father gets out his wallet and he gives us what we need so that we can honor him. And that's what Christ does on our behalf. I mean, think about it. So uh, the trials and the tribulations and the situations that you're going through, 
I want you to take a deep breath because I know this time of year, all those things really, uh, they, they really intensify, they really magnify because you're looking around and seeing the different families meeting and maybe there's an upset relationship or this or that's going on and you have all these trials. I mean, the job doesn't look the same maybe as it did last year. The family doesn't look the same as it did last year. Now you gotta really hold your peace and do some things that are extremely difficult. But just know as you walk through that and your testing happens that that testing will produce faith and that faith will produce opportunities where God can use you in ways that you've never thought you would be used before. But as we see it, we see that it's through the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's not logical. It's not logical that a Savior would love us so much that he would come down to earth and be born deserve a king's birth, yet didn't get one, did he? Deserved all the worship that we could ever give him, but yet wouldn't take any of it, it's only given to him. So what you're facing, what you're going through, I want you to get caught up in the celebration. Don't get caught up in the trials and the tribulations. Get caught up in the Holy Spirit moving on your behalf. Get caught up in the Holy Spirit moving in ways that you could not move and you know you couldn't do it. Sit back and rejoice and say, God, I lift up my voice. I thank you for what you've done in my life. That I no longer have to have the same mindset. That I can be transformed more and more like you every day. And it has that hope that can only come from you. It's not logical that some of you guys are going through some of the hardest times. You're going through new trials and new situations. Yet you have such a sense of peace about you that God is on my side. That's our Savior. That's his love for us. And it all started because Jesus came to earth as a baby in a manger. Mighty God with us. Mighty God with you. We are not alone. Let's bow together. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that we have the words of Paul to look down on, that we believe that he was inspired to write them. He was inspired by your spirit, God, to put pen to paper and encourage us that we don't have to be the same. That we have hope. That we have a grace that before the cross, before the birth of our Lord and Savior was never really experienced like we get to experience it. So Father, in this moment as our heads are bowed and we're thinking of the many things that we're thinking about, I pray that we would hone in and focus in this moment of what you want to reveal to your people. Father, for the one who is unsaved, for the one who doesn't know to reach to you, God, to the one that doesn't really have that confirmation that they are your child and you love them, Father, they would reach to you this morning and cling to you and Father, for us as brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we would be encouraged that you confirm things in our lives, that we are yours.
that you do have great intentions for us. But Father, we celebrate. We celebrate the moving of the Holy Spirit in our life. We celebrate the reality that, the, that your, your, your Spirit can renew our minds. And Father, we can be transformed. And we celebrate, God, that the trial that we're walking through, the situation that we're looking into, does not have to win. But you are on our side. And not only can we make it through that and be better off, but God, you'll use that for greater purposes for your kingdom in our life. So as you're setting your seats, friends, this morning, I pray that if you don't know Christ, that today would be the day that you get to meet him. And for us as brothers and sisters, I pray that we get caught up in the celebration, we get caught up in the seeking, we get caught up in the worship and the lifting of our hands. We get caught up in all the things that we find through our Lord and Savior. Would you stand with me all across the auditorium? What we want to do and love to do here is we never wanna miss an opportunity because we know that people face different situations and circumstance. And we just want to let you know that we're with you and that God loves you. And we would love to pray with you. Would my altar workers come down here? Would you guys make your way down to the front here? These are our friends in prayer is a great way to look at them. And as they walk down, I want to dismiss you. Maybe you're going through something where you need the Holy Spirit to go on your behalf and fight for you. Maybe you just need to link up arms. I want to release you from your seats right now, even as I'm talking, to come down and grab hands and say, you know, I want that prayer. If you're not saved, this is the perfect time. It's great that you repeated in your seat that you needed Jesus Christ, but it also starts when you come down here and say, hey, what's the next step? What do I do next? We never want to miss a moment from this. We want to give you opportunity. Amen, amen. If there's anybody else, I know that it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of bravery to slip out. And here in a moment, we're going to have some just come down and lay their hands on these that have come down. But we don't want to miss. Would, would some of you guys gather around these guys and just put your hand on their shoulder? We don't want them to be. Some of you youth slip out, out of here and pray. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. And God, our hearts are bowed to you in this moment that we believe that our souls are colliding with you. Whether we're believers in you, with you, God, or for the ones that are not, God, that you're allowing your Holy Spirit to work in their life and woo their hearts, that they would open their life, God. We thank you that you're moving and Father, for the ones at the altars, for the ones in the seats, thank you, God, for moving on their behalf. Thank you for opening up things in their life. God, thank you for doing things, God, that only you can do. And Father, whether we're at the altar or whether we're in the seats, God, help us to remember to celebrate, God. This is a time of celebration of all the wonderful things that we have through you, Christ. So our hearts are bowed. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move on our behalf. We pray that our minds would be renewed. We pray, God, that the trials and tribulations, Father, would not take the focus, but our love and our goodness towards you, God, would steal the show. 
because we know that we believe in you and you gave your life for us. So Father, we celebrate the birth of your only son. Jesus, we celebrate you being born in a manger. We celebrate God coming to earth that we could walk as we walk today. So Father, thank you for your joy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness that we feel. We honor it and we praise you and we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone says, amen, amen. amen. Hey, we love you guys. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.